What is up, everybody? What is going on? Welcome into Living Off the Land. This is episode 260. I'm your host, Dan, here with my co-host, Steven, and uh, it's Wednesday night. It's not Wednesday night. It's Thursday night. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. You know what that means. We're one day closer to the weekend, so we're in pretty good spirits. Apparently, I don't know what that means. You know. I don't even know what day of the week it is. I just got off the golf course where I shot a fabulous 42 on the back nine at Casa Creek, which nice. is the much harder nine of the two. That was my best round of the season up to this point because I've been putting up some pretty pedestrian numbers up until now. But uh, I was very happy about that. Part of the last two holes. So Very yeah. nice. Yep. Very nice. The big putters league. Began and, and, yeah, started and ended well. I parred the first two and the last two. So Oh, there you go. So we're not going to talk about the middle – no, I mean, the middle was, I mean, I parred 15, but I, I double bogeyed 14 and 16. So, yeah. I 16, for whatever <gasps> reason, the tee box is, like, oddly angled. And if you're a somebody who naturally fades the ball like I do, it's just a nightmare. I've put every single drive out of play so far this year. <laughs> oh, for four. <laughs> you think you'd learn your lesson, too, because you play, that's the course you play every week. I need to start hitting iron off the tee or something. I don't yeah, know. there you go. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, anyway, uh, quick beer of the week segment this week uh, because I'm drinking a beer that we've had on this podcast I, I, six, seven, eight times now over the 260 episodes. Hey, that is uh, Platforms Haze Jude Hazy IPA. Haze Jude. That's right. One of the few remaining beers that Platform has in production, as everybody knows here, they kind of halted uh, business operations as far as their tap rooms go. And they are only uh, producing and distributing a couple of their beers left. And Hayes Jude is one of them. So you can go, still go out and get Hayes Jude at any of your local grocery stores, local liquor stores, anything like that. Uh, it is, I've always said that Hayes Jude is my favorite um, Cleveland beer. And uh, yeah, so not too much to talk about. Other than that, I'm not even really going to rate it because I've we've rated it so many times on this podcast. If you want to see what my ratings are for this, just go back through our Instagram page and you will find one. So uh, go out and get Haze Jude if you're a Hazy IPA fan. If you never had it, shame on you. You should have it and you should enjoy it. It's the summer. This is a great summer beer. And uh, that is the beer of the week. All righty then. So... As we said, it's a fantastic Thursday night, and depending on your perspective of things, things are going good or they're going really, really good. And in the case of Jose Ramirez, it's going really, really good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he um, he has three home runs tonight. Well, actually, let me check. Has he hit a fourth? The game's still going on. Uh he has not hit a fourth. Will We're Brennan. If he's hit three or four home runs in one game, that's like, wow. He hit three. He hit a home run in each of his first three at-bats tonight. Uh, so, Jose Ramirez. is not pick, pitching to him the rest of the night. Yeah. The game has just gone final. The Guardians win 10-3. to They win the rubber match against Boston. They take the... The final two games of the series. I was at the first game of the series, of course, which we lost. Uh, but the Guardians win another series, and we are twenty nine and thirty three on the season. We're now only a game and a half out of first. So you're saying the Guardians have won four out of five. So you're saying it's your fault they didn't go five for the last five? Yes, and only a half game. It's out. my fault that we're not half half a game out of. Uh, yeah, it's not you know. Uh, De Los Santos' fault or Nick Sandlin's fault, who you know loaded the bases in the eighth inning on Tuesday night and then walked in a run and no, then no, proceeded to not. keep getting hits and yeah. allowed the Red Sox to score four runs in the in the top of the eighth. No, that's that that's my fault. No, de- yeah, definitely not. 
But anyway, I digress. But the Guardians are hot. They're four out of five. The Bats are awake, and they are alive and well. And, uh, yeah, it seems like this team is starting to do what it seems to always do, doesn't it? The, the, the weather starts to get warm, and this team starts to get hot. Little by little, it's starting to happen. It hasn't been like a humongous push, like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row or anything like that. But yeah. they haven't lost a series now <sighs> since they played the White Sox back from May 22nd to 24th. Hmm. Uh, took three of, three of, uh, two or three from St. Louis, two or three from Baltimore. They split a four-game series up in Minneapolis with the Twins, and then they've now taken two or three against Boston. So the trajectory looks good. Now, I mean, the question will be, can this continue? I mean, they've got a three-game three, three game series coming this weekend against Houston. Yeah, that's going to up the ante just a little bit. And, I mean, if there's any other team besides other than maybe the Yankees and maybe possibly the Red Sox that you could not possibly hate more as a baseball fan, it would have to be Houston. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how I wonder what uh how garbage can sales are in Cleveland uh this weekend. Bring them. I mean, banging on a trash can. For all you uh fans of the show Doug out there. So anyway, uh, yeah, the Guardians have they, – they dropped the first two in Minnesota. You know, last week when we were talking about this, we said the Guardians could either find themselves in first place after this series or they could possibly find themselves in a really deep hole after that four-game series in Minnesota. What happened was neither. They split. They lost the first two games and won the last two, and now that they've taken two out of three and Minnesota has been scuffling, they find themselves only a game and a half back of first place. Minnesota is now every single team in the AL Central is under, is 500. under 500. Is this the worst division in the history of baseball? Has it has a division uh, winner? I don't know about the history of baseball, but it's really bad, especially when you consider that the Royals at the very bottom are 18 and 44. They're if not the worst team, well, not the worst team in the baseball because the Athletics are even worse, but I mean that's really terrible. And then just the other teams are all just very bad to mediocre, pretty much. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the Twins. They were 4-6 and six in the last 10 games. The Tigers, who are actually in second at this point last week, they've been even worse over the last 10 games. They've been 2-8. and eight. They've actually fallen down to fourth place. Wow. So, Has there know. ever been a team to win a division with an under five hundred record? There hasn't been in our lifetimes. Yeah. Not in baseball. There, there, there was in the NFL. I mean, is it possible? You got to think one of these teams is going to get hot and take this division. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to. It's probably going to be the Guardians because that's just what they do, pretty much. True. Yeah, and as true. we said, like if if they're just staying within striking distance of first place, striking distance of five hundred, you know, it could be June fifteenth, July first, July thirty first. Yeah, you know that. They're going to come on. They're going to play, especially if they're healthy. They're going to come on. They're going to play well in the last two months. That's just what Terry Francona teams do. Absolutely. So it's good that they are starting to turn the corner again now. I mean, they got the, what, what about 10 games under 500 at their low point, and now they're starting to come off that a bit. So it's good. You know, Minnesota, like we saw, this is almost the exact same situation we were in a year ago. Minnesota was leading yeah. for most of the first half, and, you know, they – I think in the end they pretty much had a 500 season. You know they're headed for that again. Yeah, it looks like for sure. So we got to get we got to get the bullpen in order. It, it, right. I mean you're starting to get guys back on the starting pitching staff. That's yep. that's very important. McKenzie first outing back, ten strikeouts in five innings, and the guy is just he's awesome. His stuff is awesome. Not uh, having that guy for two months was a big part of your problem. No yeah, doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Cash the mother effing ticket. Let's go. I just want a nerfie. Oh. La last game of the night. Cubs at Angels. If a nerfie is no runs in the first inning, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh I got screwed by Jose Ramirez on that with a three two count, two outs, nobody on in the first inning, and he just hit a home run to the home run porch. Thanks a lot, Jose. Is the Nerfie bet sponsored by Nerf? 
<laughs> it's should, Nerf or nothing. Be. Hey, Nerf, you're out there and you're listening to this. I'll, I'll, I'll place a Nerfy bet every day if you sponsor the show. Absolutely. The Nerfy play of the day, right? I'll be taking all sorts of photos with Scarlet and her Nerf gear and everything. We need to now. start. We need to start uh, uh, either before the show, you know, maybe actually doing show prep, which we never do, or we certainly didn't this week. <laughs> um, we need to we need to start like giving our plays of the day for like the uh, for like the following day, hmm. um, and then go back and see kind of how we did the next week. Oh right! Start doing that because we're definitely yeah. going to we're definitely going to be doing it for the NFL season. Um, I don't know if we got to figure that out. We got to because we got to figure out whether we're going to literally place a bet on every game against the spread, or if each of us are going to pick our like top five games or something to bet against the spread, yeah. and then keep up the record and you know see what the records are at the end of the season. So. Uh, anyway, the, we don't talk golf a lot on this podcast. No, but there's good reason to tonight. Crazy, 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 crazy happenings. Uh, so everybody, unless you've been living under a rock or doesn't, don't pay attention to golf, which I'm sure a lot of you don't, you know, maybe you check in for the major events or whatever. Uh, there is this new, new tour that's called the Live Tour that has siphoned off a decent amount of the top players uh, in the PGA Tour. And we're talking Brooks Kepka, We're talking... Uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, uh, and a few others. Uh, Patrick Reed. Um, well, nobody really likes him, but he's in there, too. <laughs> and... So what happened was this week, actually, yes, was it, it was yesterday, right? Yes. I think it was yesterday. Mm. Uh, there was an announcement that Liv and the PGA Tour are merging. Now, the interesting thing about this is, so Liv is backed by the PIF, which is the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. And uh, they have gotten into um, inv- investments in sports. And it's been very controversial. In fact, they they own your favorite club now, Newcastle United Football Club. It's yes. been incredibly controversial because you know there are um, human rights atrocities that have that have uh, taken place in that part of the world. Been given out by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, mm. and a lot of people are saying that. Uh, the PIF is using these investments as a term of what's called sports washing, which essentially they're looking to improve their public image by investing in sports with hopes that their image can be, I don't know if restored is the best word, but it gets at the very least it gets people talking about stuff other than the, politics and other nastiness that's happening in Saudi Arabia. Let's face it, people would rather talk about Cristiano Ronaldo making $200 million and scoring goals for Al Nasser as opposed to, you know, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was a big issue when this originally happened last year for the PGA. And the PGA now looks like a bunch of hypocritical assholes. Oh, they do. Because not – not less not more than a year ago they were not really threatening their players but they were saying like you can't go over there you can't do this you can't take this obscene amount of money that they're offering you uh you know think about the families in 911 and um you know think about uh you know what's what's right for the game of golf and all this and then not even a year later this slime ball jackass Jay Moynihan the the PGA uh, tour commissioner strikes a deal with uh the PIF and essentially like the PIF essentially is going to run all of golf basically 
it's a bit of and, a, it's a bit of a scary prospect. The and the thing is, like PGA Tour pressured a lot of these players to not take this obscene amount of money from the PIF to go over to live, and now the guys that did take the money are going to be right back in the fold with whatever they call this new entity. That's right. So I mean, if you're like Rory McIlroy or if you're, uh, you know, John Rahm, and, and apparently there are rumors that John Rahm, uh, after this this uh, 2023 season, was going to make the jump to live. That's, that's one of the reasons why that uh, this deal got accelerated because could you you can't have, as the PGA Tour, have the number one golfer in the world jump ship. That would be pretty bad. You know, you mentioned all these names who stayed loyal to the PGA and in doing so, for you know, basically forwent millions upon millions of dollars. How about Tiger Woods? $800 million he was being offered by yeah. Liv, and he, he told him to go shove it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Roy uh, uh, Hideki Matsuyama was offered $300 million because uh, Liv wanted to corner the Japanese market in the game of golf, and he's the most recognizable name uh, Which, in Japan for the sport. This was not lost on him. He certainly. turned it down. Would they, would they ask for uh, give to – what did they propose to give to Francesco Molinari? Oh, I, I wonder. Have, I have no idea. You know, going after the Italian market. I'm sure they did that too. Um, but I mean, Phil Mickelson looks like the smartest guy in the world. He took two hundred. He got two hundred fifty million dollars for these guys, and now he's going to yep. come right back, and he's going to be able to play every single tournament. Right. Whatever tournament he wants. Now, Phil's in his fifties, so I mean, I don't really see Phil playing any tournaments that are not the majors anymore. But. Uh, or uh, you know, look at Kepka. Kepka got I think a hundred million dollars to go play in the in the uh, in live golf, and now he's right back in the fraternity with all the other golfers. And he and he just won and he just won the PGA Championship as a live golfer. You know this the whole locker room dynamic of the PGA live combined tour is going to be very fascinating. Yeah. You're going to have some of these guys. Who have come back from live and it's basically party time. They've they've made all their huge money from going to live and everything's great. And then you're gonna have these PGA guys and they're gonna be just like, you sons of, you know what? <laughs> the see, I I think I think the the anger for the PGA uh, tour golfers, I don't think it's going to be against their fellow golfers who actually took the money. I think it's squarely on the on the on the chest of Jay Monahan. Yeah. Making this deal. They didn't even they didn't yep. even, they they didn't even tell the golfers that they were making this deal. They found out when the rest of the world found out yesterday on social media. They found out when the media broke the story. That's so they they didn't even get a say. They didn't even get a say. Last year when PGA didn't want to have anything to do with Live, they pressured all of their golfers to not take the money. Right. But when the shoes on the other foot, they didn't ask for the golfers for their input on what they think is best for the game of golf. Now, of course, they're all, all the, all the, uh, uh, all the executives and Jay Monahan and all are saying, "Oh, this is this is," the, and all the live golfers, of course, are all saying, "Oh, this is what's best for the game of golf." Uh, blah blah blah. Now we can get past all this. Blah 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 blah. It's just nonsense. If you're if you're a PGA Tour golfer that stayed loyal to the PGA Tour and then they go behind your back and make this deal. It, if I was a PGA Tour golf, and again, I'm not even talking about Rory. Rory takes the biggest PR hit of all this because he looks like a moron because he was actually loyal to the PGA. But Rory McIlroy's not hurting for money. Rory, Rory McIlroy is worth like $300 million. Like, this isn't really going to, I mean, yeah, not getting a $300 million payday sucks, even if you're worth $300 million. Imagine, even even like you or my net worth Right now, literally, as we're mid thirties, you know, working, you know, yeah. middle class, whatever, lower, middle, middle class, whatever. Think of think if somebody like just offered you a, a check to basically double your net worth. Be freaking awesome. I mean, unless you know there I mean? are some pretty significant poison pills in there, yeah. I mean, you'd have to. Yeah. 
So even so, yeah. and then don't even don't even, and you know, Tiger's worth over a billion dollars, but he was offered an eight hundred million dollar check. Yeah. Well, he's probably in the. It's, it's interesting you bring he's up. He's got to be work. sick. Yeah, he he probably is. Because but, also, he's not Rory. Rory is just in his 30s. Rory has another 15 years of competing at a high level in major golf tournaments making money. Tiger's career is basically over. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And again, obviously, he doesn't need another cent of money. But if somebody somebody offers you $800 million and you turn it down because you have morals and you want to stay loyal to the PGA Tour, and then the PGA Tour turns around and does this, oh, my God, I'd be sick. I would be absolutely sick. This is sort of a the microcosm of the sports world and, and in some degree just the world in general today. It's just there's, not, is, there's not hardly any loyalty anymore. It's, and if somebody – the lesson here, sadly, is, is that if somebody throws a bunch of money in your face, right. take it. Because right, no matter who it comes you, from. You just – you could end up getting shafted later. Yeah, uh, it's just. And also, we better we better be we better get used to this uh, PIF uh, getting involved in American sports because it's not going to stop at golf. They're going to own no. an, They're going to own an NFL franchise. They're going to own an NBA franchise. They have unlimited money. Do they even know what? American football is in Saudi Arabia. That that's actually kind of interesting. You bring up the NFL because, well, you know, they're going to own an MLB team. There, soccer is popular. They're going to own an NHL team. There's other like the NHL would be even more foreign to <laughs> the culture in Saudi Arabia than football. I feel like yeah, I mean, those are two sports where literally nobody plays those. But sports. this is going to keep happening. <laughs> I mean this this fund has and baseball. This too. fund literally has unlimited money. They they have like six hundred billion dollars. Yeah, it's going to it's going to keep happening. They're going to keep investing, and because every single person that is an executive in any of these sports leagues are just money hungry a holes, they're going to let them in. Maybe we need to stop complaining about the Dolans and Jimmy Haslam, because you never know what could end up happening in the future when the when they come to sell. Who's going to end up? Well, the the Dolans are on their way out, but like. Yeah, I mean, you would think a shrewd move would be to take over a historically relevant, you know, smaller market franchise who's not going to be like a six billion dollar price tag like the you know Washington Redskins Commanders football team, whatever the hell you call them these days. You know, so yeah, th- we're we're kind of at this point where this one particular regime has really made a huge amount of waves. And, you know, you mentioned Newcastle earlier. This was a team that basically was just trying to stay in the Premier League the last eight, nine, ten years, and their owner was pretty much a guy who was very similar to Larry Dolan and how he ran a franchise. And now the PIF comes in, and, you know, and it wasn't just the money that did this. It was, you know, improvement by a lot of the play- same players and by a great job by the manager too. But they go all of a sudden to finish fourth, and they're in the UEFA Champions League next year. Like, that wasn't by accident. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, my understanding is uh, Live Golf will be no more, that this is a this is essentially a merger between the PGA Tour and the PIF, and that this new, quote-unquote, league will get a new name. So we're not going to have the PGA Tour anymore. It's going to have a new name. I don't know what that is yet um, because I don't think it's going to start until next year, so they haven't announced anything. The PGAIF. Yeah. Or whatever they're going to call it. I don't know. It's. I just got to think, what, what are they going to do to make these golfers whole? Like the PGA the PGA essentially sold these, these guys on loyalty with a rotten bag of goods, you know? So, like, what are they going to do to, like, make it up to these golfers that stayed loyal to to the PGA? Because in less than a year, the PGA completely turned their back on them. Yeah. I mean, is, 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 it, is it going to be simple as making the purses bigger on these tournaments? Like, you know, tripling the – I mean, I think the, I think the purse for 
The PGA Championship was $20 million with like three or four million going to the winner, which ended up being Brooks Kepka, who got $100 million from, from Liv. Um, is it as simple as that? I mean, with the PIF money coming in, do they triple these purses? You know? It, I, I thought it was the strange. This might be a segue, but I thought it was the strangest thing that Liv players were allowed to play in the PGA Championship. Like the Masters, the PGA doesn't even run the Masters, so obviously anybody can play in that. Right. But like... The PGA Championship, like the live guys somehow got to play. Like they were talking last year, like, oh yeah, you guys are not playing in our events anymore, ever. I yeah, think that could, that that didn't really turn out. <laughs> I think that should I think that should have been a sign that there was something going. There's something going on behind closed doors yeah. with this. You know, like this this has happened. This has happened less than a year after the cre- the creation of Live. How long has PIF and PG the PGA been negotiating behind the scenes? Oh, have they have they been negotiating for six months? Maybe you know, like this deal didn't come come together overnight. Like they've been having conversations, and again, the PGA. If I again, PGA golfers didn't find out about this until we all did, and they all want Jay Monahan out as commissioner of the PGA, like out, gone, have yeah, he nothing should, he to do. He should be gone. Have nothing to do with anything. He was a snake. Yeah. He sold everybody out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Ryder Cup is later this year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, USA versus Europe. That's it's been going on since I don't know how long, like since the 1960s or whatever. But um, the match play competition I would want to see this year yeah. would be Team Live versus Team PGA. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. That would be must-see TV. Yeah, I would. Um, what? Man, I'm just Make Phil Mickelson a... and Tiger Woods the captains. And, oh, another and thing. just go right down the list. Another thing is... Uh, supposedly, the Live Golf team play format is going to be a part of this new league, which I hate. Mm. I cannot stand it. That that sort of play is reserved for the Ryder Cup and the Ryder Cup only. The yeah, team, the Ryder the Cup team, and, the, and the President's Cup. The, the pre- yeah, play the Ryder Cup. Right, but to like to have that on the on the this new PGA Tour or whatever in a week out week in and week out basis, I hate. There's nothing better in golf than a major championship when guys are going mano y mano on Sunday, just chasing each other down, going birdie birdie for birdie. I just I, we'll still have that. Like the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, they're, they're not I know, going but anywhere. I, like, I, but I just I don't want to see like the team stuff. I I it's not golf to me is an individual game. The only thing that I want to see with teams is, like we said, with the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup. That's a novelty. Yeah. If you do this team thing, that goes out the wind. Like they're still going to do it at the Ryder Cup, but it's not like it's not going to be the same. You know, it makes me wonder what other kind of events they might come up with because you know you have the the WGC match play every year. So, could they do some format with you know involve match play that way? You know, if it's like two person teams or something like that, they could possibly. Um, I I'd, I'd be willing to watch that, but you know, if you do that once or twice a season, I have no problem. You know, if you make still have like eighty percent of the tournaments be regular stroke play, I, I hope that's the sort of format that they go for. <coughs> but who knows what they'll come up with? Yeah. Sorry, guys, we're coughing a little bit because the air quality stinks outside. It has been seriously hazy, and there's wildfires in Canada, and it's just been like our air is unhealthy here. At least it's not as bad as like in New York or Philly, where they can't even play baseball right now because of how like it, you look at the sky at sunrise and sunset, and it's almost apocalyptic with the orange. You almost you're almost like on another planet. Just. I've never seen anything like that, like especially this early in the season in June. Like we haven't gotten any rain in what over three weeks now. This is yeah bizarre. We're supposed what's to happening. we're supposed to get rain next week, starting on Sunday. But yeah, I mean it's the it's the first week of June, and my yard looks like it's the middle of August. It does. We haven't even <clears> had <throat> grass this yellow in, in July and August the last few years. Yeah, it's nothing like what's going on in New York and New Jersey. <clears throat> Man. 
I mean, New York and New Jersey look like it's post-apocalyptic, like after nuclear war, the sky over there. It's orange. <laughs> it's orange. It's hazy. It's crazy. I wonder if you have some cosplayers out there, like, pretending they're playing Fallout. Yeah, you know, maybe. Wearing crazy Could be. suits and stuff. Or think they're in, like, uh, uh, I Am Legend or something. Oh, man. That was a great film. Yeah. Will Smith. So, uh, anyway, that's what's going on with the PGA. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the U.S. Open is next week. So, uh, where's the U.S. Open at this year? Oh, I'm I'm sad that I don't actually know this. Is that Shinnecock? I don't think it's at Shinnecock. Oh, man. Shinnecock's a great course. It is. It's one of the four or five in the greater New York City area, uh, along with Baldestraw and Bethpage and Winged Foot. Uh... Oh come on! It shows are, me. It shows me twenty twenty four. Those are all brutal courses, by the way. Beth Page, you can play if you uh, sleep in the back of your car the previous night. Los Angeles Country Club. No kidding. That's a new one. Yeah, they're playing it in L.A. They're not playing it at Riviera. Wow. Next year, it's at Pinehurst. Pinehurst number two. Pinehurst is also a fabulous course. Twenty twenty five, it's at Oakmont. And 2026, it'll be back at Shinnecock. Oak, Oakmont's within easy driving distance. That's near Pittsburgh. Wait, is that? I'm scrolling down. I don't think this. I don't think this is. Wait, Los Angeles Country Club. That has to be Riviera. I, that's the only course I know of that's a, a PGA level course in LA County. I mean, maybe they've built a new one. I don't know. Uh, you yeah. U.S. Open returns to L.A. after 75 years. Yeah, that's that's so it's not Riviera. It's been a long time because there's been no courses in L.A. area in the U.S. Open rotation in a long time. Torrey Pines in San Diego is, yeah. is the closest to it. Yeah, the open got, the open know, returns to L.A. this June on di- on the diamond anniversary of Hogan's win to the north course of the Los Angeles Country Club rather than Riviera. How about that? It'll be like starting over. The North Course will be a novel experience for most of the field, except for a few amateurs who competed on it during the 2017 Walker Cup. That is fascinating because the majority of the the players will have never even played this course. Listen to this. Before the, they show the up, the design there. of the course also will introduce elements that are atyp- that are atypical, if not baffling, for a national championship. Fairways that are 40 to 60 yards wide. Huh. Bordered by just a whiff of Bermuda rough, par threes that can range from 300 yards to less than 90. Hmm. There's going to be a 300-yard par three? (laughs) Guy's pulling out driver. Yeah. If you can't drive the green, I guess you're not getting that's, a par. That's shit that you and I do if it's like a if it's like a 230-yard par three. So basically the first hole at Cossack Creek, which is 305 yards, yeah. you know, par four for us, that's going to be a par three for these guys. How about that? That's crazy. Wow. That's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. You've got – there are three courses in California that have hosted the U.S. Open in my lifetime. Torrey Pines is one. Pebble Beach is the second. And then Olympic Club <coughs> in San Francisco is the third. Mm. Uh, so this will be the fourth now. Yeah. Well, that's certainly interesting. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be a fun watch. I always like watching the, uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, it's interesting. Father's Day think... Sunday at the U.S. Open is always a great tradition. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's a, you know it's interesting. The Ma- Masters Sunday is usually always around my birthday. The U.S. O- they move the, yeah, PG- the Sunday before your birthday is usually they use the Sunday. they move the PGA up in recent years. It used to be the last major. Of it used the to year. be in August, and now it's in May. Now it's in May, uh, June, like you said. The U.S. Open is always on. Uh, it's always on Father's Sunday. Day Sunday. And then uh, the British Open is in July. The championship is the third – well, the ends on the third Sunday in July. And that is at Royal Liverpool, I believe, this year. Liverpool. Yeah. It's on Merseyside. I think think next year it goes back to uh, the birthplace of golf at St. Andrews. St. Andrews. Yeah, so – uh yeah, we are in full golf mode. Uh, like you said, uh, well, it turns out the majority of this episode has turned we into should, a golf show. We, we you golf today. All of the courses I golfed on we, Sunday. All the courses we just name dropped. We should probably like put up a poll on the Twitter and be like, which yeah. if you could play any of these courses, which one would you pick? <laughs> oh, by the way, I got to tell quick. So uh, on Sunday, my cousin Marcus, uh, shout out Marcus, is in town this week, and uh, me Anthony saw that. 
me, Anthony, and Mike took him golfing on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of funny. So uh, we were at my grandmother's, and we just we decided late, like, hey, let's go golfing. Like, okay. Um, and my cousin Marcus didn't bring his clubs with him. So I'm like, that's okay. You can borrow, like, my dad's or whatever. He's like, I'm left-handed. I'm like, uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> so we were calling around courses to see if any if any, cor- any course had a rental? left-handed set to, uh, to <laughs> rent. And luckily, Mallard Creek did. So we went over to Mallard, um, and we played the Lakes Nine. Shout out, Mallard Creek. And uh, Strong. So hole nine. <laughs> wait, it was uh, – wait, what hole was it? Oh, it was actually it was hole eight. You know, eight on uh, the Mallard Nine is the uh, eight. Yeah, it's, it's the one with the uh, <coughs> the lake just past the tee box with the long wooden bridge going across yep. it. Mm-hmm. So I hit my best drive of the day on that hole. I hit like a two hundred forty yard drive. I always I I can never hit a drive straight, but I usually play. I can play my slice decently. I've it, it's starting to come back. Probably about five six years ago. Uh, when I was playing the best golf of my life, I played a slice off the tee every single time, but I knew how to control it. I knew where it was going last year. And this year, I have no idea where I'm going off the tee, but, but for, but eight on Sunday, I hit just a, a nice little 240 yard fade, uh, that was right in the middle of the fairway. Um, and we were playing uh two V two scramble. So it was me and Marcus against Anthony and Mike. Both Anthony and Mike hit in the water off, ah. off the tee. So they drop. Uh, they are two strokes ahead of us at this point. And uh, so I'm thinking, all right, we're gonna get we're gonna get at least one stroke here and then and then it, it if if we're if we're down one going into nine, it's on. So I, I hit I hit a really good drive uh, on eight and our second I think Marcus duffed his, and I just hit, like, straight. I just bladed it, hit straight left. So we ended up we ended up getting a stroke because they hit it in the water. But what was hilarious was, uh, no, we didn't. We There was no blood on eight because uh, they dropped after they both hit it in the water, and Mike hit an insane second shot uh onto the green and me and Marcus both duffed so we were both on the green we ended up punting but but the funny part of the story was Mike hits the shot and he's so pumped and so freaking excited he starts like running around in the circle and he and he he runs around the cart and he grabs he like grabs the uh uh the stanchion of the the covering on the cart to like yeah. whip his body around and like get back into the into the passenger seat and Anthony would drive off but he slipped and he freaking bit it. Ah. <laughs> so I wish I was taking a video. It was freaking <laughs> hilarious. So anyway, to make a long story short, you'd be uh, sending that into AFV if you did. <laughs> to make a long story short, we get to nine, and uh, we're down by we're down by two. We get green and reg, and we end up two putting for par because we were in green and reg, but we were still about twenty five feet away. So. Uh, we ended up parring. For those of you who are wondering what that is, green and red means <laughs> that you are putting for birdie. Yes, or possibly eagle. So on a par, so on a par four, you get on the green in two shots, which is what we did. Um, so we we were in for par. Anthony and Mike were standing over a ten foot knee knocker for bogey to win, and if they missed, we would have drawn the match, and we probably would have just set up a putt on that ninth hole and did a putt off. Anthony is up first, drills it. They don't even get to Mike's putt, and they win by one shot. I was devastated. So, and you know, it's me, it's my brothers, it's our cousin, it's just trash talk city, the entire nine. Mike actually, I wish they were here to talk about it. Mike actually didn't. Anthony plays the least out of all of us. Uh, between me and my brothers. So his game is not exactly where he would want it. So the way that Mike played, and Mike had Mike is better than me at this point at golf. 
Mike has gotten very good at the game of golf. Um, but he was not playing well on Sunday. Mm. He hit a couple good shots, but most of the time he was not playing well, and you could tell he was getting frustrated. So I thought that, hey, we got this. Anthony, for whatever reason, he hit like four or five like insane putts. Like Marcus and I should have won by three or four strokes, but Anthony saved Mike's ass countless times with putts. It was mm. unbelievable. So frustrating. But you know, putting is one of those just hit or miss streaky things. You know, you could have a day where the the cup seems like it's five feet wide, and then there's other days where you just can't buy a make yep. to save your life. Yeah. So <clears throat> um Although I do remember the last time I played a scramble with all you guys. Anthony was he was best with his wedge and his putter. Anything beyond that, he was just totally not usable. So, I mean, I guess that I guess that checks out. I mean, four or five putt makes in a day, that's a lot actually if you're doing a scramble. So good for him. Yeah. So I mean it was fun. It was a good time. We had fun. But uh but yeah, so a lot of golf on this episode. Wow. Anyway, uh, the NBA Finals are going on, and um, I think the Miami Heat are about out of chances. They somehow won, you know, they somehow won Game Two. They even the series. They got more than more games than I thought they were going to get in the series. Well, I'll tell you what. The interesting thing about it was in Game Two, they absolutely shot the lights out, and they won by three. That ought to tell you everything you need to know. And then the Nuggets came back and won and took back home court advantage in game three, winning game three. And I mean, I guess if Miami can win game four, they still have a chance, but I think the series is over in five. I think the nuggets are going to win game four. And then I don't think this series goes back to Miami after that. So, I mean, really there's not that much to talk about. What what I did kind of want to talk about was where do you rank Nikola Jokic among the modern day bigs in NBA history. Modern day bigs in history? It's almost like a contradictory statement. Well, yeah, I guess um, in modern I sh- I guess I should <clears throat> say in modern history. Bigs in modern history. Well, I mean in the current game, there's really only two that you could yeah, put in his class or put over him. One is Luka Doncic and the other is well, Joel Embiid. Luka Doncic is not a big. Luka Doncic mm-hmm. is like a point forward. I consider anyone over a certain height to be a big, but well, what's that height? Six nine, six ten. Okay, Luka Doncic is six seven. He's that short? I'm surprised. Short six seven is enormous. What do you mean? Oh, okay, for NBA standards. Yeah, I guess maybe he's six eight. So, <clears throat> I guess if if he doesn't qualify, then then Joel Embiid is the only guy you can really think of. And he's Jokic is that good. Really, I mean, the, yeah, it's weird because Nikola Jokic could have won the MVP this year. He didn't. Last year, he did win the MVP. I didn't think he was deserving at all, based on how poor his team was. But Luka Doncic is six seven. You know, now you're in a situation where Denver's on the precipice of their first NBA title, and yet, you know, the the national media has been just panning them all this whole time for being boring or being not fun to write about or you know what have you. But which you know, is complete just, BS because if if that if that group of if that team right. was from New York or LA, I mean they they be S and D all up and down the all up and down the place about these about but the, because the team is the Nuggets who have never made the NBA Finals, which by the way should be a compelling story if these freaking national writers weren't lazy pieces of crap. That absolutely should be a big story. Denver's been in the NBA, and, you know, it's not like they're a newer franchise. No. You know, Denver's been around for a long time, about as long as the Cavaliers, and this this is basically their moment like we had in 2016. Yeah. You know. It's nonsense. It is absolute nonsense that they just— because oh, because it's not it's not L.A. and it's not New York and it's not a big market and 
What it what is a big market? Denver's one of the Denver's got to be. Realize what Denver was that small and that boring. Yeah, to people. Denver has like, to be really? a t- Denver has to be a top fifteen po- city population wise in this country. I mean, metro area, I would bet that they're probably at least in the top twenty. Yeah. So, what it, I mean, what it, I, I don't know, whatever. In Colorado, I, I mean, how how can you hate on Colorado? Like Colorado is one of the. I mean, if you look at the migration patterns of the population, I'm not going to get too far into this, but. Colorado is one of those desirable states that people are moving to, yeah. you know, right up there with North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, you know, places like that. So I I don't know. It just people seem to have a stick up there. You know what about yeah. this particular subject? But, well, it's not Southern California. Yeah. It's not it's not uh, it's not the metropolis of New York. It's not, you know, people the, really wanted the Lakers in this final, I guess. You know, or the Warriors, one or the other. Yeah, well, if the Warriors, they're done. Right. Anyway. Thankfully. Yeah, so. I... You know, they can always go cover the NHL. You know, you got a team from Vegas and a team from South Florida playing in that final. Do you think you know? Nikola Jokic has a chance to become a top 10 player of all time? Ooh. Top 10 of all time? I would say probably not. Could he get into the top 25? Maybe. And he's already got, what, two MVPs, and now he's going to have a, a probably a finals MVP in the finals. Yeah, he's he would probably already be in the top 50 with that resume. I do think top 25 is definitely possible. I don't know about top 10. Top 10 he's only like, 28, too. Yeah. I mean, because like that's when you're talking about the Michael Jordans, the LeBron Jameses, the Bill okay. Russells. Yeah, I, yeah well, you, that okay, you're, fine. You're talking uh, about, but but I'm not. He's never going to be in that class. But I'm talking about like like seven, eight. Like, does he have a chance? Does he have a chance to, you know, be compared to a Shaq, a Duncan, a Kevin Garnett, uh, uh, the Bill Walton? If we're going back, uh, yeah. I th- I think those uh, are actually very good. Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon won two titles. Moses won Malone, one. you know, so, Moses guys Malone, like that. Moses Malone, I think, won a couple. Um, who's um, who's the guy who said that? Well, Tim Duncan won five, so he's you know kind of in a. Yeah, well, I'm not just talking championships. I'm talking about as a player, because because if you put if you put like I, I love Tim Duncan. I think he's I think he's he's the greatest power forward of all time, but. If you drop Nikola Jokic into that Spurs culture with the with the players that Tim Duncan played with, Nikola Jokic is winning five well, titles. Still be winning championships. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, conversely, if you put him on that Utah team and sub out Carl Malone, who never won a title, right? You know, he's probably he never winning there? a title. Yeah. No, probably not. Yeah, but he's yeah. running up against Michael Jordan. My, Michael Jordan. Yeah. And um, so. It's an interesting discussion. I definitely think I think he because listen, he's 28. I could see him playing well because of his style of play into his mid 30s. Um I think this Denver team if they're able to keep them together is is opening up a cycle where they're going to be competing every year. Um more than likely they're going to break through this year. They're going to get the title. He's going to have two MVPs by the time he's 28. Uh, who's to say he can't win another one next year? Who's to say, you know, if they win the title, they're probably going to be the favorite to win it next year because they're going to bring everybody back. Um, And if he if he goes for three MV, I mean, there's there's only, I mean, how many players in NBA history have three or more MVPs? It, the list is not long. No, it isn't. And you're talking Jordan, Jabbar, uh, Magic, LeBron, um, you know, Kobe and Shaq are not on that list. Uh, that's like, pretty amazing. Olajuwon's not, Kobe has Kobe and Shaq have one each. Yeah, that's pretty shocking. Um, you know, the first part of the first part of Shaq's career, Michael Jordan was in it. The second part of his career, you know, LeBron James. Well, I think I think yeah. I think by by the time LeBron was was winning MVPs, Shaq was Shaq was pretty well out of his prime. And LeBron didn't win his first MVP until 09. I thought you were talking about Kobe, but yeah. Well, Kobe too, but 
Yeah. Kobe didn't really come in until after MJ. So, yeah, but, they didn't really – you didn't have but, – But when you talk about Shaq and Kobe, you're talking about Tim Duncan. Remember Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs in their primes? Yeah. You know, so stuff like that. Um, and LeBron won back-to-back twice. Uh, Shaq was way out of his prime by then. But, uh, but yeah, so it's an interesting debate. I think if – I mean, if he keeps this up, I definitely think he's going to have – he's going to enter the discussion – on the back half of the top ten, I think. I mean, the dude's a wa- he's a seven foot walking triple double. That's crazy. Like he, I think he's, he, I think he, he's a seven foot tall center that came one assist shy of averaging a triple double this season, and he that's, didn't, and he didn't win the MVP. That's yeah, not to that's say. That's not to that's say what that, I was saying earlier. He had a better season this year than he did the previous two. Yeah. That's not to say that that Joel Embiid didn't deserve it. I mean, he was Joel he was very Embiid worthy. probably should have won the MVP the year previous, and Nikola Jokic probably should have won it this year. Yeah. But you know, be that as it may, you know, it ended up evening out. Yeah. But so, um, you think this is over in five? Yeah, I'm yeah. still a hater on my. <laughs> I'm ten, I tend to agree with you. That's uh, and again, that's not nothing. That's not a knock against Miami. Miami wildly overachieved in these playoffs. They're the eight seed. And to be fair, they have sort of a history for doing this because they didn't really belong in the finals <laughs> in 2020 either in the bubble. And they, they yeah, well, they the, I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, the bubble, like you know, the bubble. Everything was what, so weird. What happened then? They came up against the top seed, the Lakers, and they lost. So yeah. it's kind of same thing. the same script here. Same thing. I think it was in five games, too. Might have been. Yeah. Might have been six. I don't remember if it was five or six, but it was – It was. It was uh, they, they got at least one game. Yeah. So, um, So yeah, that uh, that's going to do it with that. Uh, Browns, we still have no update on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot reported today that the Browns are considered a long shot to sign him. That's kind of where I was. Um, again, if they're if they're able to sign him, great. If they're not, if they don't, it's not going to kill us. I mean, do you think what is going on at, or what went on at minicamp has any bearing whatsoever on their decision with Hopkins? Because all I kept hearing about was how good Elijah Moore and how good Donovan Peoples Jones. We're looking out there. I don't um, know if that, if that matters at all. Possibly. I mean, to be honest with you, I I think if Deshaun Watson wasn't the quarterback, they, the Browns wouldn't even be looking in con- or considering making a run at DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but the fact that Deshaun Watson is our quarterback and has been demonstrative about the fact that he wants him on the team is having the Browns even consider it. So... Yeah. Um, I really don't know who the favorite is to sign him. I really don't. Um, I'm looking forward to the day that he does sign, whether it's with the Browns or not. That way we can stop talking about it. Uh, but the Browns did have minicamp uh, this week, and to your point, um, the receivers supposedly looked really good. Deshaun Watson, and again, it's minicamp. It's not even training camp. And even if it was training camp, you take this with a grain of salt. But supposedly Deshaun Watson looked absolutely phenomenal in uh, minicamp. Um, you know, he's tempering expectations by saying, well, we'll see how I look when we welcome the Bengals to first center. Well, sorry, Cleveland Browns Stadium. I do, week th- one. I do think that's the right thing for him to say. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, um, it... It does. It does feel like, and I know you've been way more tempered in your expectations for Deshaun Watson. It does feel like, and I'm not going to get over, you know, overexcited or, or whatever. It does feel like the Browns have a franchise quarterback, leader of the organization at the quarterback position in Deshaun Watson. Now everything. The whole nonsense of the past two years with him and his personal life is now for the absolute most part behind him. He's able to focus on football, and, uh, you know, the Browns are hoping that he gets back to 2020 form or 20, yeah, 2020 form when he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, so if that happens, 
it's going to be a fun season on the lakefront because, listen, I was a big Baker Mayfield fan, and 2020 is probably the most fun we've had with a Browns team since they've been back, which, again, it's not a high bar, and it's actually kind of sad. Um, but anytime, even though there were no fans, anytime you have a winning record, you make the playoffs, and your first playoff game you is beat a win. Your primary rival it's against your rival playoffs. on the road in their house. <clears throat> and quite frankly, you took uh, you took the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl that year down to the to very the last wire. minute of the game. So that was the mo- – for me, I don't know if, uh, for you, for me that was the most fun I had as a Browns fan since 99. Yeah, I mean, really it comes down there – there's only been three good seasons since 99, Ugh. 2002, 2007, and 2020. And, and how and sad it, is it that the two – we say the 2007, we didn't make the playoffs that year. Yeah, under the new format where there's seven teams, they would have made we it. would have, but, yeah. Uh, but they didn't, you know, there was only six back then. Yeah. But 2002, but, uh, we lost to the Steelers in the playoffs. 2020, we beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Mm. Um, and that game was just unbelievable. Uh, you were you were over here with me watching that game, I think. Yes. And I was, I mean, you can, you can, I was like, I was like how I was when uh, – <laughs> That fateful day in uh, April of 2014 when we drafted uh, John Paul football, and I was screaming like a like a lunatic. True statement. The absolute most embarrassing night of my life was being excited about that jackass. Yeah, looking back on it, that you know that just. I always say I cannot get myself excited about the NFL draft, and that's probably the biggest <laughs> single example of why. I'm the, re- I'm the reason things for that. Things we think are good are uh-huh. not, or vice versa, or whatever. You just can't rate guys in real time. It's just you can't. Yeah. But one, you know, that playoff game against Pittsburgh, that is the only game the Browns have won on Sunday Night Football since 2003. Jeez. Which oddly enough was also against the Steelers. They've not won a Sunday night Guess football what? game against another team besides Pittsburgh since '99. We have a Sunday night football game this year, and it's Week Two against okay, Pittsburgh. Against Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Why does that always seem to be the case? <laughs> wow. So, uh, well, good. I mean, that that means we're probably going to win that game then. Yeah. Right. You know, um, possibly. I mean, I, Pittsburgh's I, not supposed to be that good this year. I mean, at least it's gettable. You would think. Yeah. The okay. So oh. That brings me to just, you know, they were doing schedule game on NFL Network. A little, a little oh, yep, yep. So this guy. This is so clickbaity, by the way. Decides to do schedule game and has the Browns beating Pittsburgh both times. Yay, good. Yep. He has them splitting against Cincinnati and Baltimore, which means we're 4-2 in the AFC North. That's like a, a huge mega part of the puzzle to be good and to possibly make the playoffs and maybe win the division, right? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this individual had the team going two and nine against the rest of the NFL, Just including co- yeah, I mean... O and four against the woeful AFC South. Yeah, I mean, t- who was this guy? Are you kidding? I- the name escapes me right now, but like I, when I saw this, I was like, I had to retweet this because this is yeah. this is insane. the only the only thing that could, that the only thing that would that would make that make sense is if Deshaun Watson went out with a with a season ending injury in the first quarter of the season. It's the only way that this would make sense because currently, the Browns' backup quarterbacks are Josh Dobbs and a rookie quarterback that they drafted in the fifth round in in this year's draft. Yeah, because a lot of the division games are front-loaded. We only have one division game in the whole second half of the season, <clears throat> Yeah, which is the bizarre. First, the first three out of four games, are we play every single division team in the first month of the season. Yeah. <coughs> which, so, makes, which makes the first month of the season the most important month of the entire season for the Browns. If the Browns go 3-1 and one in the first month and they win all of their division games, mark my words, we are winning the AFC North. The most insane part of that whole prediction was the four-game stretch before the last game of the season. They had where the Browns play the Jets, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Bears. Yep. And they had the Browns losing all of them. 
I was like, it's nonsense. Wow. Okay. So yeah, the only scenario where that's the case is if Deshaun Watson and a bunch of other key guys are on the shelf injured. Yeah. In December, like maybe then that could happen. But otherwise, I mean, get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> it is absolute nonsense. I'm and I, I'm coming at this as not being Brown's homer guy. I've never been that guy. But like, that's give well, the give that's the, well documented. Give the team some respect. I mean, my goodness, like the Bears, the <laughs> Texans, like come on. Deshaun Watson, what, did he complete two passes in last year's game against the Texans and the Browns won by, like, three touchdowns? Yeah. <laughs> no, the Texans are going to be awful again. <laughs> but but anyway. Um, anyway. Yeah, so Browns are off now until the middle of July. Remember, they have an extra week of practice, uh, which they will be using at the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia uh, to get ready for the – uh, the Hall of Fame game this year when Joe Thomas gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, so Brown's extra week of training camp practice, extra preseason game. Uh, so we have five weeks until training camp. And training camp, when training camp opens, that's when you, I really start getting, you know, hyped about the season. So Browns are going to go on vacation. Let's hope nothing happens. You know, another story that we didn't really talk about today. How much Manchester City is going to pound into Milan? The Browns. Do you have Champions League final? No, I'm not even dignifying that game with a response. Ah, okay. The Browns have had three players uh, get robbed at gunpoint for their cars in the last week. That is not good. Supposedly, this is an organized thing to where uh, this is like a premeditated thing that's going on with a group of people who are looking for uh, people with money that have really nice cars. And if they have really nice cars, that means they probably have like things like jewelry and money on them and stuff. Yeah. And it's a coordinated, it's a coordinated thing. So <laughs> thankfully, uh, all three uh are okay it was Demetric felton it was greg newsome and it was perry on winfrey um thankfully all of them are okay hopefully these people are caught or will get caught soon hopefully now that this is incredibly well publicized they stop doing this um and that these guys are okay i guess uh perry on winfrey was the first two days of minicamp uh was working inside the the facility he didn't actually practice with the team and I think that's because he was so shooken up by by the whole incident. I mean, imagine getting robbed for your car at gunpoint. Uh yeah, that's terrifying. By six people. Well, just one person. Like, yeah, no. this is a tar- this is a targeted and coordinated event. And I don't know where this happened exactly. I think one happened uh over near West Six downtown. Um, you know, I don't in, know if that's where they all happened. You know, back in the old west. There would be vigilante justice after that because yeah. literally in in Western there they would be like shouldn't have taken six of you yeah that's right. just shameful like ah uh, you send the whole friggin' army at them I mean my gosh people yeah. just don't think so I'm glad I I glad I remembered that uh, last second um, so glad all the players are okay I mean obviously first and foremost you know cars a car those things can be replaced. Uh, if they don't get them back, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. They're physically okay. Obviously I'm sure all three of them were, were pretty shook, shooken up yeah. by, by that. Um, but glad they're okay. Perry on Winfrey's back on the practice field today. So he's hopefully okay mentally after, after this, but, uh, but yeah, scary situation, man. I mean, just scary. And like West sixth, that's not a bad neighborhood. That is like right in the heart of the city, you know? That's, yeah, but that's it's a, that's the that, that you know the main people cl- go the down main all the time. Yeah, but it's the, it's the main club neighborhood, and and so and I'm guessing these probably happen late into the night. It's not like this probably, happened. but this it's also happen. a very heavily policed area too. Like it would not be easy to just pull off a heist like that. Yeah, especially in the you know if you're talking about that midnight to to two thirty a.m. time when it's like the warehouse district is hopping the most. You got tons and tons of foot traffic, tons and tons of car traffic. It's, Unless it was a situation where they followed them after they left down there. Like into an alley or something. Or wherever then they might, lived. Then you might have a better, better shot. Wherever they lived. Yeah. So. But again. Anyway. Um, yeah. 
So that's going to, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Final shout before we go, the Vegas Golden Knights leading 2-1 late in game three of the Stanley Cup Finals. They win this game, then uh, they'll be up 3-0 and oh, be looking yeah. for a sweep on Saturday. Yeah, so uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Living Off the Land. Appreciate you guys listening. Episode 260. Uh, as we get into summer, hopefully be having some cool things like uh, might be welcoming on a uh, partial returning co-host for the summer, maybe? I don't know. My voice is getting higher. Does that mean I'm lying? I don't know. Are you sucking on we'll helium see. right now? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a little bit of a tease. I uh, might have some more information on that next week. Might not. We'll see. But you can follow us on social media. At Stiffs McGee. At Daniel J. Ford. You can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. Thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week and weekend, everybody. And we will see you guys next week. See ya.